Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. And we're introducing some new segments called the Real Estate Syndication Show Highlights, where we are bringing you a look back at episodes focused on a specific topic that we believe added a lot of value to you in your syndication journey. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Also hit the notification bell so you can continue to know when new shows come out. Have a blessed day. Our guest is Steve Breton. Thanks for being on the show, Steve. My pleasure, Whitney. Thanks for having me. Raising one million on your first deal is very impressive. But you know, walk us through some pointers that you can help us with. You know how we can get from raising you know one million to ten million. A lot of it is to. I heard a quote. I'm trying to recall who it was from, but it was something to the effect of, "You need to get out of obscurity." So you're not going to raise capital if nobody knows about you or if nobody knows about your product, right? What is it? So I focus on multifamily. Other people are raising capital for self-storage units or mobile home parks. And all of those are great assets. I just happen to, to love multifamily. But you, know, you really need to, to focus on what is it that you're going to do? How do you get in front of people, right? So other than friends and family, right? How are you going to 10x that? You need to get in front of everyone. So doing podcasts, getting involved on Bigger Pockets forums, in other forums. Again, I mentioned Facebook. There's a lot of groups there. So helping people get into the business themselves, answering questions. So I knew small multifamily, three families, two families. I answer tons of questions about that. I've done a little bit of hard money lending. I answer questions about that. You know, wherever I can be helpful. And then that starts a dialogue. I do the same thing in my local meetups. So I'm always trying to, to add value in those meetups. And eventually, we, you know, that turns into a conversation. I've spoken at some meetups as well around syndication. Again, it took me a couple of years to get into the position where I'm now the local authority on syndication. Nice. Yeah, I like how you talked about positioning yourself where you're the local authority. So people are now looking to you or they know of you as an expert. Right. You know, again, it's not just about them investing with me. So when I speak at those meetups, I'm talking about how do you vet an opportunity? You know, how do you look at these sponsors to make sure that you know, they do have a track record of success? How do you look at their deals to make sure that you know, the fee structure is aligned with the investors, not just with the general partners? How do you look at that deal to make sure it's in the right market and, and the underwriting was done in a, in a conservative way? All those things are important. So whether they end up investing with me and use all that information that I gave them to validate my deals, or they can go and, and look at other deals. And I tell them all the time, you want to come to me with somebody else's deal, I'll help you do that evaluation. You know, whether I'm raising capital or not doesn't matter to me. You know, I'll just go through right through the same sort of points that I talked about in the, in the meetup and say, okay, let's look at the cap rate. Let's look at the market. Is it a growing market? Are there jobs, et cetera? Steve, could you walk us through a little bit then of just that relationship with that investor? So let's say somebody comes up to the meeting and then they, they say, yeah, you know, I'd love to invest with you in a deal. How do you nurture that relationship and what do you do to just keep developing that? Right, so you know, back to the SEC rules, Securities and Exchange Commission. So you have to have a relationship with the investors to begin with, right? So when they come up to me, if I didn't, you know, if I hadn't had a relationship with this person before. So at that point, it's more about, you know, how can I help you? What are your goals in real estate? And for some people, syndication is the answer. For many people, it's not. So again, having a diverse background in real estate, I can sort of guide them and give them some pointers on what it is they do want to do, pros and cons, et cetera. And eventually, again, that, that relationship will continue to be fostered over time if 
it's a good fit. So if they start to think, and some people will come back a year later, you know, I tried this, I tried that. I think I just want to be passive, which is fantastic, right? So then we'll go out to lunch and we'll have more discussion around what is it like to be a passive investor? Let's walk through a deal in great detail, right? How will I communicate with you about the, the property and, and how things are going in terms of renovations or occupancy levels, et cetera? What do the returns look like? Over time, they get very comfortable with that. And then, you know, at some point, you know, I put them on my list. So when I do have a deal to share, I put that out to my list and people simply respond if they're interested. Nice. So so long term, do you do any kind of email marketing? Do you do any kind of like active campaign or anything like that to just keep reaching out to these people? I don't do a lot of that. It does concern me again with the securities rules. We're not supposed to do any sort of advertising in this business unless you're doing a very specific syndication, uh, which would only allow accredited investors. I like to keep things open so that anyone who's interested, who's at least what they call sophisticated, can invest in our deals. So again, mostly I'm, I'm sharing things on Facebook, but it's not deal specific. I'm just sharing, okay, here's a property that I'm looking at, or here's something we just closed on, or trying to give advice. So in terms of my list, I'll send a newsletter as well, so that, but that's only quarterly. I don't want to... You know, I think there's a term, uh, list fatigue. So I don't want to send too much to the folks who are on my list. I really want to add value. So it's a quarterly newsletter, give a couple of of pointers around real estate and then what I'm up to. And and that's about it. Awesome. So you mentioned earlier, you know, even having the units that you already had and the portfolio of smaller multifamily or single family, but you didn't know how to work with a sponsor. You didn't know what that looked like. And so, you know, could you give us a few pointers, you know, of things that we need to know about that, you know, just how to develop that relationship or going into that relationship? So from the perspective of me being or wanting to be the person raising the capital? That's right. Just going from, you know, you already have these units, but you're trying to get into the syndication business and okay, well, now I'm going to partner with that sponsor. You know, what are some things we need to think about? So the first is really thinking about what is it that you can offer, right? So again, for me, being in the corporate world for a long time, I developed a lot of friendships. All of my colleagues have been in the corporate world for a while. So they had capital to invest. They also knew me, again, my closer friends knew me as somebody who knows real estate. So the strength for me was I'm a real estate guy. I have friends and family with enough capital to bring to a deal. And I know the real estate enough that I can start to vet those sponsors. So it was kind of understanding what my strength is and what do I bring to a partnership. In other cases, it's somebody who's working and living in a market where the deals are plentiful, but they don't have the capital. So they then find people more like me. So I knew that that existed, the two sides of the business. And what I wanted to do was find the folks who needed the capital find those sponsors. So I guess my tipping point there was when I decided to start calling people that I heard on podcasts. So there are several podcasts that are focused on multifamily. The folks that I would call would be people that were one or two deals in. They just started doing syndications themselves. I'm thinking, okay, maybe they're going to start getting bigger now, right? Maybe instead of a 50 unit, they're going to do 100 or 150 units. And perhaps they're going to have trouble raising $2 million versus the $1 million they raised on the last deal. So that's sort of the sweet spot, I think, of, of connecting with those folks and trying to understand you know, what can I bring to the table. So that's what I did my first deal. That led to me, again, joining a mastermind group and then getting involved with people with a lot more experience. So now I'm working with people that have you know, thousands of units. They're raising 5 or $10 million per deal. And they, you know, have me come in and, and raise a chunk of that equity for them. So, Steve, what's been really the hardest part of the syndication business for you? The hardest part for me is is letting go a little bit because I did manage my own properties. 
And you know, when I'm working with a sponsor who's going to be actually be operating the property, managing the property management company, they're the ones who are actively sort of walking those properties on a monthly basis. I'm not hands-on in this business any longer, right? As a syndicator, I'm bringing the capital. I'm talking to them you know, weekly or monthly, trying to get a sense of what's going on with the property to, to ensure that you know, it's going according to plan. And then I'll write up the monthly update for that property. But not actually being hands-on for somebody who's used to that. In my IT career, I was a project manager. So what I did was manage the business plan for you know, multi-million dollar projects. I'm used to having that control and having you know, the understanding of every little thing that's going on. In this case, I have to step back a little bit, act more like an executive and, and just sort of get the, the high-level overview and trust that, again, I'm bringing the best people in. So I should just trust them to do what they do best, just the same as they trust me to do what I do best. Our guest is Tamar Mar. Thanks for being on the show, Tamar. My pleasure. Most people won't pull the trigger to buy the first single-family home, much less take the plunge into syndication or a large, you know, a large apartment building of any kind. So, you know, how did you educate yourself, or how did you know how to do the first syndication, just going from four or five doors? Yeah, I had been hearing that word syndication for probably two or three years on Bigger Pockets at the time that I started my company, the Moroda Group, and. It was always a little bit mysterious to me. I was like, what is this thing? But the little bit that I heard about it, I realized that doesn't sound super complicated. And I think one of the reasons why it was not complicated nor intimidating to me was because of my experience on Wall Street. And then the other position I had as a COO was as the COO of one of the largest real estate brokerages in the state of Washington. And when I worked for the company, the regulatory solutions company, I dealt all day long with attorneys and regulations, and the world's largest financial institutions. So if you know anything about syndications, they're dealing with attorneys, finances with the world's largest banking institutions, sometimes local banks, and a lot of regulations, right? As well as investor relations and all this other stuff that comes along with it. But I felt like at least I knew a little bit about all of those things, and that wasn't intimidating to me. So I just started diving in and finding information that would help me meet my goals. I think the first place I went was Bigger Pockets. I started reading as much as I could about apartment investing at that time. And I know Michael Blanc was a great resource for me early on. And from there, I just started. It was like a rabbit hole. I just kept on going down whatever path that I could find. And from the time that I decided to do syndication, which was, I think, March of 2017... My goal was to have my first apartment under contract and closed by... Well, under contract by September. So I was going to give myself six months to learn everything that I needed to learn. Well, by May, I had my first one under contract. (laughs) And I closed on that in July. So it was like two months after I, I had made the decision. And I think part of that was because I was very, very intentional. And I started talking to everybody that I knew about what it was that I wanted to achieve and wanted to see how those relationships could help move me forward. And mind you, when we did single family investing, we were not using other people's money. I wasn't going to networking meetings. I wasn't known as an investor. We were just my husband and I doing stuff on our own. And so I had to really make a name for myself and get, I guess, increase my believability score (laughs) with others to achieve what I wanted to achieve. So where did I find out what I need to know? It was a combination of bigger pockets, I lots of podcasts. I probably read a couple of books, not necessarily on syndication, but more of things like tax strategies and some of the 
higher level stuff that's related with real estate investing and just talking to a lot of brokers and property managers and anybody I could. You talked about increasing your believability. Can you elaborate on that a little bit and help the listeners, you know, to be able to do the same thing? Yeah. Being believable is so important. So I'm going to give you an example. Hi, Whitney. My name is Tamar. I like apartments and I want to buy one someday. Okay. Right. Like you're like, oh, awesome. That's going to be a rad conversation with this person. She seems pumped. <laughs> right. Or I can walk and be like, Whitney, I'm so happy to meet you. I've been hearing about you. I love what you're doing. Listen, these are some of my goals and objectives. I'm so excited to reach them. I want to tell you about what I've been learning and see if you can share anything with me. What, is that cool with you? Can we have a conversation? Right. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I think I tend to be a person that doesn't lack exuberance. (laughs) And so that comes with it. And sometimes you have to practice those things. You have to practice having those types of conversations with people. But, you know, I just started getting sought out by some like Marcus and Millichap started reaching out to me recently. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're reaching out to me. Now they want my business instead of me going after their business. Um, of them to help me achieve my goals. And it's because I've been putting myself out there and I say, this is what I want and this is how I'm going to get it. And part of that, you know, in a syndication business is creating a thought leadership platform like you're doing. And like I've done with my podcast and speaking engagements and maybe blog articles or whatever, and or putting together a nice resume for the bankers that you want to work with or your investors, because they all want to know if you can do what you say you're going to do. And nobody's going to believe you unless you have confidence in yourself, first of all. And then they need to be able to see that you have that confidence in yourself. And I'm not talking about like a cocky sort of confidence. It's just like that little example I gave you. You're not going to believe the person that sounds like a mouse. And, you know, this is my goal. (laughs) Super excited about it. (laughs) And it's funny because I recently had a dinner with one of my broker friends, commercial broker, And we've known each other for about a year and a half now. And he helped me with my first apartment acquisition. He goes, Tamar, I never would have known that you didn't know what you were talking about that first day that we met. And he was one of the very first people that I talked to after I decided that I was going to start this business. So tell a story and tell it well. (laughs) Isn't that funny? You can go back with him now and laugh about that. But that's great advice. Got to have confidence in yourself for sure. Yes, absolutely. Our guest is Angelo Christian. Thanks for being on the show, Angelo. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, man. Thank you so much for having me today, man. I'd like to focus on that, the relationship between like you and the syndicator, you know, a little bit or how they come to you for funding and what that looks like and kind of what you're looking for. And so, you know, I know a lot of the listeners are like just getting started in the syndication business. So how they should be prepared as far as, you know, whether it's the underwriting that they've already done or, or how they present an opportunity to you all so they know funding is more likely to happen or some things that would kill the deal. Right, right. So let's say that it's a hundred unit apartment complex, for example, and for you know forty million dollars. And so a lot of things that we're going to be looking at is if there if it is a syndication, the other banks that are already involved, if there's other banks involved, typically we want to see that there's a term sheet or a loan commitment from another bank. Normally, we want to see equity in the deal of usually twenty five percent. I mean, it can be from investment funds or you know assets on hand or pledged assets, right? And then, you know, typically we want to see, you know, at least a 680 credit if it was a personal guarantor. We can do the whole thing in the business in an LLC or an S-Corp or a C-Corp. And if the business is, is, has strong financials, we won't need any type of personal guarantee. We want a debt service coverage of at least, 
you know, one to one or one and a quarter. And, you know, we want to make sure we're really our main concern if we're doing multi-unit housing is how that asset's been performing. Obviously, we want the rent rolls. We want to take a look at the leases when they renew. The actual appraisal, the location is very important to us. We really don't want to do anything that's too rural. You know, we want to be in a major metropolitan area. So the asset is really the most important thing to us. So we can do interest-only terms as well. You know, we love multi-unit housing. It's one of our favorite things. And so what I would say to a lot of investors out there is in the beginning, if you're starting out, you got to start a little bit smaller and then kind of lay your way into it and grow or, you know, create a S corp or a partnership, limited partnership with a group and then put your pool, your funding together. If you're trying to take down larger units, you know, so but those are typically the, the main things that we're looking for in the underwrite. That's some really good points there. So, you know, to dive just a little bit deeper, like you say, term sheet, what is that? So when I say that's the loan commitment that we're giving to the client. So they're kind of like when you buy a house, you want a pre-approval letter. So the term sheet is what we're actually giving to the investor to show that that's our commitment to lend. And that has the terms as far as the interest rate, the points, the loan to value ratio, and the conditions for the closing. And I wonder in your just many years of being in this business and just seeing lots of people get started, you know, from, you know, that's never done a syndication before, never done a large deal. Is there anybody, not them specifically, but a way that they stood out, you know, like above the rest, like, okay, I know this person's going somewhere. This is somebody we definitely want to work with to provide a loan for. You know, like some way they stood out that when they came to you or the way they presented the deal to you or the way they were prepared or anything like that? Well, I mean, typically what I see like larger investors, they they normally started off, you know, smaller, right? They started off with five units or 10 units and then they built a portfolio and there was a track record with us. I can't think of anyone right now that started just buying 100 unit or 200 unit apartment complexes from the onset, right? Normally they start with a house and and then they say, well, let me see if I can do a duplex. And then let me see if, from there if I can do a five unit. And from there, they learn the business and they start to get cash flow. And then they kind of just scale, right? And then they get investors, they make a partnership. How they present themselves, their financials are very well in order. Their rent rolls are very well in order. When they go to purchase a deal, they've done their homework, right? They On the location, the equity, the debt service, the net operating income how they think the asset's going to perform. So they present a full package to us so we can underwrite the file quickly and quickly give them a term sheet. And they're very organized, right? I mean, people that are sloppy and they're not together and they want to apply for a loan, the underwriter's not going to take them seriously. Yeah, I like that. Presenting a full package, they've done as much due diligence as they can up to that point, pretty much. You really have to. I mean, you really have to. If you're taking a loan to a bank or a lender and you're serious about getting the loan, usually... These, the properties that were like, for example, Orlando is a very hot market right now for multi-unit housing. So is Jacksonville, Port St. Lucie in Florida, Athens, Georgia, Houston, Texas is really hot. Austin is a hot market, Charlotte, North Carolina. And these people, these investors are really doing their homework and making sure that the property has the equity spread they're looking for. It's performing. And normally what I see a lot of these investors, what they're doing is they're trying to make their complex stand out by doing things differently, maybe adding, you know, more renovations, interesting things like, you know, technology, state of the art to the apartment, or adding fences around the units, or different things with like service that they're going to offer to the, the consumer so they can raise the rents, and increase the value of the property and basically set new comps 
for the market. So that's what I see a lot of the good investors doing. Nice. So they're finding ways to add value that's kind of out of the box a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So like one of them, for example, that I know of, he will allow pets and, but he charges, you know, an extra deposit and he built fences for the dogs or the cats uh, for each one of the units. And so he's attracting a certain clientele that has pets and he's able to raise his rents by like 9% because he's been able to do that. It's kind of interesting. It's a niche that because a lot of apartments, they don't like pets or dogs or they charge really high premiums or fees to be able to have a pet. And so he's, he's basically labeled himself at one of the complexes as the pet niche apartment, right? So it's, it's pretty cool. By having a little fence, I mean, not many people in an apartment have their own little yard for their animal. Yeah. So just doing things differently. So what about, you know, as far as on the lending side, as far as underwriting, how do you like to see that presented to you? Or, you know, and, and exactly, is there a certain ways you like to see that presented? Like I was saying earlier, like 80% of our business is residential. So, you know, and then 20% right now is, is commercial and, and syndications. And typically, you know, if we're talking about like a residential deal or even commercial, they have to have their last two years of financials, Right. And then they need to have their pro forma showing like if their projections, it's a business or it's a, a rental income property, income producing property, pro forma for the next year. They need to have their rent rolls in place, all the rent rolls that they have, the copy of their credit report, tri-merge credit report, their loan application, their 1003 that's completely filled out. You know, and then they have to provide a wage earner, their pay stubs, if they're self-employed, their bank statements, and then a copy of their bank statements for the last two months or where the funds for the down payment are going to be coming from. And then an executive summary, summarizing what their goal is, what the intent is, what they're trying to do. And then really, we want that all zipped up in a folder and all in PDF as preferred. And then, you know, either hand-delivered or emailed to us or Dropbox. And then, you know, then we'll be able to underwrite that loan. We can actually review that loan in as fast as 72 hours for a decision, which is pretty good. We hope that you have enjoyed the highlight show today. You can always listen to the full episodes that were featured today by clicking the links in the show notes page in the the description box. Let us know in the comments what you thought of this episode, or you can go to lifebridgecapital.com forward slash podcast and click the feedback button. Let us know how we can add more value to you. Thank you and talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate, while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.